Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedikin. We're going to start out by thanking our Patreon contributors for this past week. They went to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. And this week we had Kelly, Natasha, Claire, Delissa, Alyssa, Rachel, Dan, Carly, Brittany, Angela, Laura. And that's it. Thank Um, you. Thanks, guys. Also, I noticed that we had a message on Patreon. It is from Talina. She apologized if this is the wrong place for this sort of message. Uh, And it is true. It is better to try to reach us on uh, our email, hollywoodcrimescene.com or what is it? Hollywoodcrimescene at (laughs) gmail.com. But I did see her uh, message. She was writing to inquire about a birthday shout out. Her friend Nikki had a birthday on September 22nd. So it is a belated happy birthday to Nikki. She said that her friendship with Nikki helped her get through the pandemic. And she's the whole reason that uh, Talina listens to our show. She's a true gem. And I would love to surprise her with a shout out. If this is something you can do, let me know how to make it happen. It's happening. Happy birthday, Nikki. Happy birthday. We're sorry. I didn't see your message till yesterday. But we wanted to give you a happy birthday. Obviously, send us to the email any pictures of your food or cake that you had that day. We would love to see it. Yeah, we always want to know what you ate on your birthday. Send us pictures. Yeah. Send us a picture of your cat if you have one. Or if you go to a good restaurant. We want to see pics. Yeah. Uh, So thanks for writing in, Talina. I'm sorry about the delay, but we got you. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yes. Nikki. Yeah, not Talina. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks for listening to the show. Yes. Okay. So we're back this week with part two of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Um, As last week, my sources are the same. They are Tammy, Telling It My Way by Tammy Faye Mesner, PTL, The Rise and Fall of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's Evangelical Empire by John H. Wigger, a frontline on the rise and fall of the PTL, as well as the documentary, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. A lot of research. Yeah, it does. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So... Last week, we left off with a young church secretary being flown down to Florida where Jim Baker is holding one of his numerous telethons. The purpose of her visit, well, it depends on who you ask. In Tammy Faye's memoir, she describes it in a way that makes Jim seem like he was the victim. This is a pattern throughout her memoir, and I really would love to know (laughs) why at this point in her life, because this is she's remarried by the time she writes this, they're long gone and long over. She's still defending him. Like every chapter is her, a defense of Jim from the financial troubles to the Jessica Hahn situation. The only explanation I can think of is that she feels so much guilt for her part in everything that she has to absolve him of it. And in a way absolve herself. In the eyes of Tammy Faye, the documentary, she does the same thing where she, she doesn't make excuses for these men. She outright denies that her both of her husbands who committed crimes did anything wrong. No, they're always a victim of some unforeseen, like some force that's in this world trying to destroy them for right. whatever reason. Right. And it's like, yeah, that might be true, but they give them plenty of ammo by acting like a piece of shit. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, I'm going to read this excerpt from her memoir. This is where John Fletcher, the man who kind of brings Jessica down for Jim, is talking to Jim. He says to to Jim, oh, come on, Jim. Uh, She's not going to find out, meaning Tammy Faye. And this girl is good, really good. I've had her myself. She's like a steel trap. You know what I mean? She hasn't had two kids. I don't Uh, know what that means. Does that mean like a tight pussy? Yes. Is that a good thing to stick your dick in a steel trap? (laughs) I mean, that's how tight it is. 
Okay. I mean, it's insulting though, too. Uh, like, yeah. Well, it sounds like cold. Yeah. It's very uh, gross. Before he knew what was happening, Jim was standing there in the hotel lobby in his swimming trunks, meeting the girl who would change his life forever. Wait, is this from Tammy's book? This is from Tammy's book. Okay. Jim Baker, meet Jessica Hahn, crowed Fletcher. When the introduction was complete, Hahn followed Jim back to his room. Her first words upon entering were, and what can I do for you? Han was wearing a short black dress, black nylons, a black garter belt, and black panties. Jim stood there frozen. Come on, let me rub your back, she said. With that, Jim went over to the bed and laid face down as she began to rub him all over. I heard from John that you and Tammy are having marriage problems. I bet I can make you forget her. Oh, Jim, I have always wanted to meet you. I have always thought you were so fantastic. I couldn't wait to get here. You have such a wonderful body, Jim. You are such a sexy man. I know how to do things to your body that you will never forget. Tammy doesn't satisfy you, does she, Jim? She has never satisfied you, has she? When I'm finished with you, you will never want her again. Now, first of all, how is she recreating this dialogue? (laughs) Because it's all in quotes, as if this is what Jessica said in Tammy's book. Right. When, um, so then she goes on to say, but even with all her expert needing, Jim was very tense. His body wasn't responding the way she wanted. Come on, Jim, loosen up. I came all the way from New York to see you. Years later, Jim told me that nothing would have happened between him and Jessica had she not been so skilled. Oh. He, he said that he was not drawn to her physically in any way, nor did he remember her to even be good looking. This is a classic thing, a guy who cheats says about the woman he cheats with, right? She was ugly. Yeah. And it's like, well, that doesn't doesn't make it any better or matter even. Like what took place that day was only sex to Jim and not very satisfying sex at that. Jim confessed he didn't even know how he was able to have relations at all. He was so troubled. But Jessica was a professional. She knew what she was doing and she was no virgin. Jim can attest to that. After they finished, Jim said, Jessica, I have to go. I have a telethon to do. (laughs) I mean, it's all this is, full of shit. Like, yeah, this is all full uh, of shit. So she goes on to say that Jessica is like, I will come to New York. I'll fly anywhere to meet you. Jim says he feels filthy and had to take a long shower, scrubbing himself all over, making sure not to miss a single inch after that. And he said that he didn't see her again. But he did hear from her because about a week after arriving back home, he said they got a call from her saying Jim or his secretary said, there's a woman on the phone for you. Her name is Jessica Hahn and she insists on talking to you. She says that you know her and you better take her call. So of course he took the call. That's according to, to Tammy Faye. Now, Tammy says that Jim told her to never call again. He didn't speak her into her, to her until the scandal broke. She also claimed that Jessica had a thing for preachers and was constantly propositioning them. Tammy also claims Jim was advised by a counselor to never tell Tammy Faye what happened, and she didn't find out until the rest of the world did many years later, according to her. Now, Jessica's version is quite different, and for me, far more believable. According to her, she thought she was being flown down to babysit for Jim Baker, which seems pretty likely to me because he had his, I think she's 10-year-old daughter at this hotel while he's doing this you know, extremely difficult telethon. There's a lot of things he has to do for that. So it kind of makes sense that he would need childcare. Now, Jessica had grown up in the Pentecostal church and she did look up to and admire Jim Baker, considered him a man of God, but nothing like, you know, sexual. She just, this was a man she grew up watching on television. She claimed while babysitting one day, he told her to forget the kid and ask her to come to his room saying, when you help the shepherd, you help the sheep. Ew. He told Jessica about Tammy Faye's affair with the monster mash guy and asked her to make him feel like a man again. Now, Jessica at the time Uh, says she was a virgin and she claims that John Fletcher, who was with them, gave her a glass of red wine that she suspects may have been drugged because she felt very disoriented after drinking some. She said that after Jim raped her, she was in a lot of pain and bleeding. And then she said that Fletcher came in and raped her as well, (gasps) which she described as him going nuts on her. So it sounds like he has done this before. Now, she keeps quiet about the incident um, until the whole story basically breaks in 1987. So 
At this point, Jim's ministry is at its absolute height. His network is huge. We talked about the Heritage USA theme park that he had been building. It's um, a massive success as well. Him and Tammy Faye, after having a separation, are once again trying to make their marriage work. The, the theme park has 6 million visitors per year, and they're taking in over $125 million per year at this point wow. through the PTL. But um, underneath it all, things are not going great. In her book, Tammy spends, I think it's like two to three chapters. To be honest, I skimmed it because it was so boring. <laughs> explaining where, like, it's basically her, like, here's where all the money that everyone says was missing actually went. Like, and of course, it's all very noble things. She says that they were just too good to their employees. They would buy them houses, give them tons of bonuses. Uh, she also concedes that, yes, we did live like high on the hog ourselves. They had houseboats, private jets, but she reminds us that the Bible doesn't say that money is evil. Just the love of money is evil. But well, the, it seemed like Tammy Faye and Jim loved money. So I don't really know what her what's point the was. Difference? Yeah. She also claims that as the ministry grew, having so many employees led to having some people who were not up to the task, uh, she hired like they hired like all of their family members. It's like another cl- case of bringing people on who don't know what the fuck they're doing. So yeah, there's some people who are just kind of incompetent and uh, it's above their level of knowledge. Uh, and then you have people who are like, hey, let me get some of this cash cow because no one's fucking paying attention here to anything. Basically, uh, one of those people was John Fletcher, this man who brought Jessica Hahn down. He um, was like a higher up in the organization. And at some point, a driver for the PTL informed Jim and Tammy that he had been driving John to seedy bars and clubs uh, where he would do whatever in them and then get back into the car completely shit-faced. So he eventually is let go from the PTL. Now, another aspect of their finances is that Jim begins keeping two separate sets of books. So one for like the more legitimate expenses and whatever. I don't know what he's doing with the second one. The FCC had launched an investigation into the PTL in the late 70s. And it was basically, um, it was kind of like they had, it's it's sort of misusing funds. So if they have a telethon for uh, raising money to send missionaries to whatever country, uh, and then not using the money for that, but throwing it into Heritage USA instead. So that's illegal. Like you yeah. can't do that. Um, so they were kind of throwing a lot of money into Heritage USA that they said was going elsewhere. Now, nothing happened with that FCC investigation, but they had been sort of, you know, on people's radar for a while at this point, which I'm guessing any ministry bringing in this much cash is probably on the radar of a lot of places. So he starts doing uh, legitimately shady things, not just scamming people shady, but mail fraud and other federal crimes, including income tax evasion, um, using the nonprofit status to fudge things. Uh, a lot of this is to, as I said, funnel money into Heritage USA, which was like his pride and joy. Now, Tammy Faye, Tammy Thay thinks that John was pissed about being fired, and he's the one um, that got Jessica Hahn back into the picture. Because according to her, someone begins calling the PTL, PTL switchboard uh, named Jessica Hahn, making claims against Jim. She says in her book, I can't say for certain why after all that time Jessica Hahn decided to threaten Jim, but I've reached the conclusion that someone put the head, the idea into her head. Someone suggested there was a blackmail gold mine out there in the form of Jim Baker and PTL and that she could get hundreds of thousands of dollars if she played her card right. So in these phone calls, according to Tammy, Han is screaming into the phone that she hasn't been able to eat or sleep. She's lost 30 pounds. She looks like she's dying. I am dying. I'm dying of a broken heart. Like it's like she was in love with Jim and he left her and swore he loved her. All this kind of stuff, which just doesn't sound believable to me. Um, According to Tammy Faye, a call from Jessica was finally put up to a higher level employee of the PTL. His name is Richard Dorch. And um, Tammy also, a thing she does in her book, I noticed, she's always like, I knew this guy was shady or (laughs) untrustworthy. And she's always right, Right. obviously. So yeah, 
Everyone she, but she, her husband. Richard, yeah, exactly. The only shady person in her life who actually was shady. <laughs> Richard comes to Jim with this information um, about Han calling. He suggests to Jim that they should pay her off to make her go away. Tammy Faye claims that she was there for this conversation and she didn't think it was true. She thought it was just some woman trying to blackmail Jim. Um, But Jim was adamant that they not allow her to blackmail him. In fact, Tammy claims the PTL PTL had a strict rule, never pay off blackmailers. (laughs) Like, seriously, how do you have that rule? How do you have that rule? Like, <laughs> like you're many, anticipating it. How many people are blackmailing you that you have to establish that <laughs> rule? Like, you know what? We're sick of paying these people off. No more. Um, so Jim is kind of like, I'm just going to let Richard handle this for me. Uh, however, um, he meets Jessica or meets someone who represents her. He agrees to give Jessica $20,000 to pay for therapy and other medical related issues. She's suffering from what happened between them. So shortly after that, he gets a letter from an attorney saying that they would be suing Jim for $12 million. At that point, they arrange an out of court settlement for a quarter of a million dollars, something that Tammy Faye would later say Jim had no knowledge of. The money was not taken from Jim or from the PTLA coffers. PTLA? PTL. Why do I keep wanting to say PTA? Because it's like PTA. Uh, My brain is so stupid. Uh, (laughs) So PTLA, I cannot stop it. It even says PTL. So he gets a loan instead from Roe Mesner, who had a lot to lose if Heritage USA went under because he had invested a lot of... They used his credit line and he had invested a lot uh, needless to say, this expenditure was not put on the books in any kind of level way. And this will come back to bite Jim in the ass later. So shortly after this, Tammy Faye and Jim think that Dorch is embezzling money from them. And the reason they kind of think this is that he's been emboldened by this information he can kind of hold over him. But according to Tammy Faye, Jim was once again helpless to do anything Um because he was just becoming more and more run down from all of the stuff he had to do running the PTL. And he didn't have time to deal with this embezzler. Uh, He's running a ministry. Enter Jerry Falwell. He is very interested in what the Bakers had achieved. And Dorch is almost immediately cozying up to Jerry when Jerry starts sniffing around. Uh, Apparently, like, Everyone in this world is jealous of what the bakers have achieved. I don't doubt it. They're like yeah. the hip Christians who have the big audience. Totally. So like, you know, someone like Jimmy Swaggart. Who's that? He is a um, televangelist from around the same time who also had an encounter with a sex worker and got busted. And he did the crying, uh whatever, the huge crying come up, you know, apology, like literally snot crying on TV was pretty uh, famous incident. So a lot of these guys are like, why them? And why not me? We want to steal from Christians too. (laughs) So um, yeah, unlike Jim Baker, Jerry had focused on more than just a ministry. He had focused on cozying up with the rich and powerful. Like he was in with you know, right-wing politicians and people with tons of money. So this gave him a lot of influence and he get, he also got a lot of connections that he would one day use when he wanted to implement his sinister plan, taking over the PTL. He also lost his virginity to his mother in an outhouse. Oh yeah, Jerry that's Falwell. widely known fact. Right. <laughs> Do not sue. Do Parody not. is protected under the, <laughs> the Constitution. I saw it printed in a magazine. It Absolutely. must be true. So... In 1987, um, they began working on the Crystal Palace, which was a ministry center at Heritage um, Foundation or whatever that place is called, not the theme park. It was a $100 million glass structure and would be the, the largest church on earth. As soon as the ground was broken to build this Crystal Palace, this is when Tammy Faye suffers a mental breakdown and health crisis. Uh, she, she describes actually being at one of their mansions and hallucinating and taking her clothes off, like in front of people. Uh, that's how like off she was at this point. Like she's literally um, 
at her wit's end. She's also addicted to Ativan and other prescription drugs. She is initially diagnosed with pneumonia, but while she's in the hospital being treated for that, it's revealed that she has this addiction to Ativan. Uh, She's sent to the Betty Ford Center to clean up. And this is all in Palm Springs area. Jim flies to be with her uh, as she's recovering and stays by her side during this crisis. Now, I just want to reiterate here that Tammy Faye is almost the bigger star than Jim at this point. Like she's definitely the one who gets a lot of the mockery because of her look. Um, But people really are drawn to her more so than Jim, I think. Um, But all of this stress that's clearly going on at the PTLA is catching up with her. You said PTL. Why can't I? What is wrong with PTL is catching up with her? Like she's famous for crying a lot. Like Uh, that's her thing. Like I said. She's a crier. (laughs) Uh, So she reveals her struggles with addiction on air. And obviously it gets very positive reviews. People are standing by her. Now, during this period, while Tammy is recovering and Jim is by her side, Dorch takes over running the PTL to help out. (laughs) I did it. Needless to say, while the cat's away, the mice do play. Now, while Jim is in Palm Desert helping Tammy Faye recover, the Charlotte Observer, someone Tammy says who has has been smearing them all the way since 1978, prepares to break the Han story. Now, they they had written over 600 articles on them at this point. Like they are trying to take them down, but they deserve to be taken down. So I don't really know what her beef is, except for the fact that she didn't want to be taken down. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, you know, that's what reporters are supposed to do. So she claims that she begs Jim to go back in order to hold on to the reins of the PTL, fearing that Dorch and others are planning a coup. Dorch claims that he's just trying to save Jim and the PTL, but what he does is bring a viper into the nest. He informs Falwell of the Han situation before the news story uh, breaks. There's even speculation that Swaggart or Falwell is the one who brought the story to um, the Charlotte Observer. I don't doubt it. Oh, my God. If you know that this newspaper is after them, why not just slip that hint? Right. Um, So Jerry Falwell, who had long been envious of the PTL success, um, like this was... Tam, in Tammy's opinion, and I, I think it's true, he had this goal all along. Like He was just waiting for his opportunity to find a way to take them down so he could move in. He advises Dorch to hire his personal attorney, which gives him a huge influence over what's going to go down. He uh, then sets up a meeting with Jim Baker in Palm Desert, which is when Jim tells Tammy Faye about Han Uh, the story that happened with Han, that it wasn't just some woman lying to blackmail him. It was true. Obviously, he told her the non-rape version. Right. Uh, So the plan with Falwell is that Jim and Tammy will film an apology, which we watched in the um, Eyes of Tammy Faye documentary. It's pretty uh, grim. Um, It's chilling. Is that where she sings? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, that's when they resign. That's when they... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. there's something there's something where he tells her to speak, say hi. Like it's just it's, it's like a hostage video. Yeah. Falwell takes over during Jim's leave of absence, um, and they suspect that it's three to four weeks just until this Han story kind of blows over. On March uh, 20th, 1987, the story officially breaks about Baker and Han, and it it's like the biggest story in the country. Like they are tortured, press are outside their door, like bugging them every second of every day. I mean, it's always hard to feel for people who bring it on themselves like that. Like I do feel for people who are hounded by the press, like after their loved one dies or something of like course. that. But this situation, it's like, yeah, you want the press and now you got to deal with the negative side of it too. Like, so the Baker's control of the PTL really collapses in 1987 after this. Um, it's also revealed that they had given her $287,000 to keep silent. Um, the claims that Jim Baker raped her are also now like part of this discourse. It's not just his version. In his book, he wrote a memoir in 1997 called I Was Wrong, which is such an annoying title for some reason. Well, because does he admit? No. He disputes her account and says that um, not only like he claims that he was set up and that their sex was uh, consensual. Um, So the revelations about Han invites more scrutiny of the Bakers and all of their um, financial misdoings. 
People start questioning their opulent lifestyle. Media reports of their air-conditioned doghouse sort of come into play. They have a lakefront, you know, church as well. There's gold-plated bathroom fixtures. Like all of this stuff, it's like just started, it's like fodder for the the press. And it's it's rightfully so. Like, yeah, you're a man of God. What's what are, what are you doing here? Um, when asked about her income, she tells reporters, we don't get what Johnny Carson makes and we work a lot harder than him. A week after this story, I, but there's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying, well, hold up, Tammy. Yeah. Um, so a week after this story breaks, Jerry requests a meeting with Roe Mesner. He hands him a piece of paper that says, what the PTL is willing to give Tammy and Jim. It says that they will retain their 300000 salary for a year. Um, they, they will have their phone and insurance paid for a year, their maid, secretary, and a guard for a year. He then asks Roe to have them repeat, reprint exactly what he wrote on their own stationery. So the first blow is that they know they won't be back in four weeks, right? Yeah. This is like clear that this is going to be a longer thing. But they're so desperate to kind of like, they, they need money. They have yeah. nothing to live on. So they're willing to go along with it. They rewrite the list on Tammy's stationery that actually is pink with a picture of herself on it. And then Jim adds at the bottom, they're making no demands of the PTL at the bottom, like to make sure it's like, we're not demanding this. Uh, now, do you think this was a good idea on their part? Stupid. Like it's such an odd, why would you ever not see what's coming here? We I just, have no idea. We just talked about writing legal documents on non-legal pieces of paper. Yeah. Like we just talked about writing a legal document on a napkin. Yeah. This, this is that to me. It's so stupid because it seems like such an obvious trick. Yeah. Well, according to Tammy's memoir, Practically the next day, Falwell marches into the TV studio, looking indignantly right into the television camera. He announces, I just received this letter from Jim and Tammy making the following demands. He then read out the list, 300000 salary, health insurance, phone, maid, secretary, and security guard. This doesn't look like someone who is repentant, but like a greedy person, he proclaimed. His outrage intensified, and he started calling this notoriously the wish list. Falwell sure knew how to hit a man while he was down when he can't defend himself, but the wish list was merely used as the first bullet fired against Jim Baker in a veritable holy war of words. It was now apparent that Falwell was determined to make Jim look so repugnant that he could never return to PTL. He said Jim was homosexual. He said Jim had stolen money. We had Swiss bank accounts. Now, the allegations that Baker was gay was sort of the end. In this world, they could forgive a man who cheated and stole money, but to forgive a man for being gay, like that's right. not, that was like, he knew what he was doing there. Like, yeah. I mean, it's sick, but that's just, that's that world. Like, you can't be gay. So, that in particular, um, Tammy says, was she knew was like the end. They would never recover from that rumor. Now, the media frenzy, really ate Jim and Tammy alive. Like uh, Jerry Falwell was basically pillaging all he could from the PTL, including moving a ton of expensive furniture to his compound in Lynchburg, Virginia. One of the most valuable things he took from the PTL was their mailing list. He had a list of every person in the world who had ever donated a single dollar to this organization. And as we all know, like mailing lists are valuable. Yes. Um, People pay a ton of money for them. For all his trouble getting Falwell involved in this, Dorch gets fired at the first board meeting held by Falwell. Falwell's ruthless. Dude, this guy, he's he's like not a human being. <laughs> he's like a machine. I mean, I, like I've said before, it takes, you have to be a real piece of shit to make a piece of shit like Jim Baker look like a victim. Yes. No, he's next level sociopath. Like, yeah. Tammy claims Falwell had a media strategy to bury Jim Baker and all these other charges. Um, the biggest one was telling the press when he was going through the, the books that $80 million was missing, that there was just a black hole within this. Now, that wasn't true. But of course, as we all know, retractions are often made in small print days later. Well, everyone, the, the main story is out there, and that's yeah. what everyone kind of believed. They had other fucked up things, just not that one. Right. Um, their their home that was uh, in that area was sold by the ministry and burned to the ground not long after. They really burned it? Yes. 
Jim wrote in his book, I Was Wrong, that he watched the home burn on live television while he was in prison. The ministry burned it? Yes. I don't know why. The Charlotte Observer um, ran numerous exposés at that point of the PTL finances and management practices. So Tammy claims in her book that basically what Follow was attempting to do was bankrupt the ministry so he could buy it like pennies on the dollar once it was basically worthless. Now, Falwell is also going on in TV and tears now saying things like, PTL is going to go under. Like he's doing the Jim Baker playbook book. It's going to go under if we don't get millions in donations ASAP. Like you don't want that to happen. Um, there's a famous video we talked about in um, our Spotify green room on the documentary of Falwell going down one of the Heritage USA water slides in a suit. It's so disturbing. He did that because he raised $22 million in a telethon. He said, if we get to $22 million, I'll go down the slide in a suit at Heritage USA. Okay, in context, that makes a lot more sense because out of context, <laughs> it looks like he's doing some kind of baptism. I think it. he did that vibe. I think he did have like does a it, baptism doesn't vibe. Doesn't it have a weird theme, yes. theme park baptism vibe? Yes, but that was like a way he raised money. But who's paying $22 million to see this? That's what I want to know. Like, why would you donate to have that? I would donate to have that not seen, personally. I would donate $22 million to kick his ass. Uh, yeah, well, that's even better. Now, Tammy also blames Falwell for getting the ball rolling on government investigations into Jim Baker's finances through all those connections he had built up in Washington over the years. Um, so all these illegal activities that were related to finances um, that Jim had done while running the PTL. So all that shit's getting pulled up to the forefront. As we know, like people pick and choose what they investigate because you can't do it all, I guess. Usually rich people get 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 it get off easy, <laughs> but not this time. At this point, Dorch turns against Jim. Uh, so he, he agrees to sort of testify for the government and comes forward to save his own ass. He... Um, says he tells the government about this um, scheme they had for um, selling timeshares at the Heritage USA Hotel. Basically, what they did was sell way more uh, of these timeshare than they could ever honor because they were just doubling and tripling. You know what I mean? They could never do it. So after 16 months um, of a federal grand jury probe, Baker is indicted in 1988 on eight counts of mail fraud, 15 counts of wire fraud, one count of conspiracy. In 1989, after a five-week trial, uh, he is found guilty on all 24 counts. He is sentenced to 45 years in a federal prison and has a $500,000 fine as well. So we'll stop here and take a break. Take a little break. And be back. Bye. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Um, by the way, his... Uh, cell that he shared. W- w- I'm sorry, he shared a cell with activist Lyndon LaRouche. Do you oh know my, who that is? Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even know that guy was in prison. I don't know what for. I mean, this is like a white collar crime prison yeah. type deal. So I guess it's something along those. Um, anyway, Tammy obviously still has a young son to raise and she starts Tammy Faye Ministries while Jim is in prison. One day, Jim calls her from prison and tells her he knows she doesn't love him anymore, and he knows life is difficult without sex for her, as it is for him. He tells her he will be filing for divorce in order to set her free. She doesn't protest. He then calls her back days later and says he wants to put to a stop to a stop to it. And Tammy is like, "No, let's do it." Like, I want to get divorced. Yeah. And Jim says, well, then then you have to now take the blame for ending our marriage because I don't want to anymore. Jesus. Yeah. So she's like, okay, I'll take the blame for it, I guess. What a... Isn't that like such a crazy manipulative thing to do? That's very manipulative. Um, So people actually criticize her for leaving him in prison. So like, I can't believe she left him while he's in in prison. It's like, well, they were already... (laughs) breaking up for a while. I'd be like, like, he cheated on me. Yeah. Uh, So she decides at that point to move to Palm Springs. Now, Roe Mesner had long been a support to Tammy Faye and Jim. He comes to visit her in Palm Springs, where he tells her of his own divorce, and the two begin to quietly date. They get married in 1993. Um, So... From almost the start, Jim is trying to get his sentence reduced. He has several hearings in 1992, 1993. He's eventually transferred to a minimum security federal prison. And he does uh, get his like sentence reduced at some point to five years. It's reduced a lot. Yeah. He I mean, was, 45 to five that's is a, pretty big. That's wild. Yeah. His son, Jay, is the one who kind of spearheads this letter writing campaign to the parole board seeking leniency. Alan Dershowitz acts as his parole attorney. Uh, say, <laughs> of course, this of guy course shows up. he makes an appearance. He said that he would guarantee that Mr. Baker would never again engage in the blend of religion and commerce that led to his conviction. He is released from prison custody on December 1st, 1994, owing $6 million to the IRS. Now, meanwhile, Tammy's career is definitely taking off in various ways. She starts a talk show with actor Jim J. Bullock, but after 60 shows, she has to quit because she is diagnosed with colon cancer. Before she, um, she does recover from the cancer at that time, at least temporarily, and she begins doing things like infomercials. She writes several books, and she even launches the Tammy Faye Wig Collection. I'd like to get one of those. I would too. In 1996, Roe is convicted of bankruptcy fraud, having claimed to owe nearly $30 million to over 30, 300 creditors in 1990. He faces sentencing in 1996, and he actually has prostate cancer at the time, and he can't afford treatment because he doesn't have health insurance, but I guess he gets sentenced to prison and probably gets treated there. He gets 27 months. Now, despite... Uh, her Christian fundamental background. Mesner 
uh, does become a gay icon at this point after after um, parting with the PTL. She appears in numerous gay pride marches with people like Lady Bunny and Bruce Valanche. Um, and unlike many other Christian fundamentalists, she had long had... Um, she was kind of in with the gay community. She had um, long refused to denounce homosexuals. She expressed uh, compassion towards them, especially during the early 80s, during the HIV AIDS crisis. Um, I think, I can't remember if we talked about it, but she did interview um, a man with AIDS on her program during that period and made an impassioned plea to Christians to love and accept their gay brethren. She also was referred to by a lot in that community during this period in the late 90s as the ultimate drag queen. I agree. Uh, Yes. Now, she also starts going on Larry King a lot, and she'll go on Larry King a lot for the rest of her life. She tells Larry King during this point that when I went, when we lost everything, it was the gay people that came to my rescue, and I will always love them for that. In early 2004, she appears on the second season of the VH1 reality series, The Surreal Life. She is on with Ron Jeremy, Vanilla Ice, Eric Estrada, Tracy Bingham. Who's Trishel Canatella? Is that like a real world person? <laughs> I don't know. That name sounds familiar, Trishel. I never watched this in real life. I didn't either, and I don't know who these are, but she was on it. They're basically in a house together, these sort of D-list celebrities, I guess. Yeah. Um, in 2007, they moved to Lock Lloyd, Missouri, which is a suburb of Kansas City, She makes an appearance on Larry King Live in March of 2004 and announces that she has inoperable lung cancer and begins chemotherapy. She continues getting chemotherapy throughout 2004. She announces she is cancer-free again. Uh, She she really is open about her fight um, against cancer. A television documentary is even produced based on her um, cancer struggle. Uh, she announces that the cancer returns on Larry King in 2005. In 2006, she comes back and says that she now has um, lung cancer, stage four uh, lung cancer. So she's being treated for that. Um, she talks about all of her troubles, that she can't swallow, that she has panic attacks. She's also losing a lot of weight and people really notice her appearance, just not looking very good. Um, the New Yorker also publishes an article that she is dying in hospice and she, um, eventually admits that she is in hospice care at the end of 2006. God, do you remember all the pictures of her during this era yes. in the National Enquirer? Oh man. It was really sad. It's sad. Now she still calls into Larry King on phone. Uh, she also there admits to being in hospice care. It's just sad that people have to even admit to this stuff if they don't want to, like let them die in peace. Um, In May of 2007, she issues a statement on her website saying the chemotherapy has been stopped, but she wants her fans to still pray for her. Um, She makes her final appearance on Larry King Live in July of 2007. That's a very famous appearance. She only weighs 65 pounds on this uh, episode. Um, She's unable to eat solid food. And um, basically, her husband will later say that she wanted to have her final goodbye to her fans. She dies in July of 2007, so just two days after her appearance on Larry King. I remember that. I do, too. It was really uh, shocking. It was hard to watch. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, she had cancer for 11 years, and she was 65 years old. Now, Jim... He 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 keeps going. So he gets out of prison. He eventually remarries a woman named Lori, who looks basically like a young Tammy Faye Baker. She, I think, was a minister as well. He gets um, some rich benefactors, including a man named Jerry Crawford, who credits Baker with saving his marriage to invest $25 million in a new ministry for Baker in Branson, Missouri. They call it Morningside. And he moves to um, Branson, Missouri uh, during this period. I think it's in 2008. Um, <laughs> Don't you just love it how rich people in this country can just continue to fall up even though they've been convicted of financial crimes? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable because this guy, they buy land, they make a theater space, they basically create 
what is described as like a downtown Disney looking area. So it has like shop or like Main Street yeah. Disney. Like it has shops, like oldie timey looking. Look, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know what would take me to get there, but I kind of want to go to Branson, Missouri. <laughs> it sounds crazy to me. Like, Wait, the city of Branson sounds crazy? Well, that's crazy? where they have all those weird, like, D-list celebrities have theaters and do weird shows. Uh, I didn't know this. It's like a tourist attraction. Branson, Missouri. Yes. So they're, it's, like, it's like a Christian Vegas well, or something. Well, now I know where we're doing a live show. We're, we're going to Branson. Sure. What if we did a show in Branson? It's like, yeah. Would they kick us out? I have no idea. It would be weird because it's like, will you let a criminal in here? Yeah, you, you can't hear pussy a few times. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So now Jim doesn't own it. Like the benefactor pays for this, but none of this is in Jim's name because he can't get tax exempt status anymore from the IRS, obviously. He still owes them a ton of money as well. So he doesn't want to have any uh, assets because they'll just fucking take them. So um, part of his comeback uh, is actually ushered in when he, before Branson, he starts a ministry in LA. Now, he had cultivated a large audience um, among the black evangelical community in LA. Remember when he was yes. there at some point? Yes. Uh, they're very accepting and forgiving of him and have him back in. He also is really um, a lot of ex felons who found God in prison really relate to Jim and his struggles. I have no idea why, but they do. He's just able to to pull those strings on people, and they really kind of build him back up there. Of course, he ditches them the minute he gets this $25 million compound in Branson. So it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. I mean, he could have had a real, I mean, he could have tried for a real redemption arc. Yes. It could have been a real redemption arc, but no, he, uh, once again, went to the money. So in prison, he condemned what we talked about last week, prosperity, uh, gospel where it was like, God, you know, wants me to make money, give me your money and you'll get money. Uh, and he he's like, where can I, uh, <laughs> what, what what wheelhouse can I take over now that things have changed in the world? And he embraces basically like the apocalypse type of evangelical, um, that kind of stuff. His show becomes very um, survivalist focused and they began selling things like buckets of freeze dried food to the audience for the preparation for end days. It's like that kind of stuff. It's end days ministry now. Um, he get The food gets reviewed in the Atlantic and they're like, his doomsday food is overpriced. <laughs> Sorry, I would love to review it. Um, he has a workaround too for these uh, gifts. He calls them gifts. Now you can, uh, <laughs> he basically isn't selling doomsday kits. He is giving it as a gift for donations and that allows him to avoid paying taxes on it. This revival show features a lot of other ministers who bill themselves as prophets. Uh, he now says that PTL stands for Prophets Talking Loud, which honestly <laughs> sounds really annoying. <laughs> I don't, why are they talking loud? Uh, I guess they want us to hear about their doomsday uh, revelations. Uh, he so he learns nothing in prison. All he learned was how to like become a new type of evangelist. Like right. that's not working anymore. Now I'm going to be an extremely judgmental bitch. I'm going to do things like blame hurricanes on liberals. Like he's that guy now, right? Um, so like, he well, you know what else he's selling. I'm about to get into that. Okay, because <laughs> he got in trouble recently. His latest false claim is that collodial silver cures COVID. He got sued by the state of Missouri for that and had to pay hefty fines because it's not true. Right. If you're going to believe any podcasters <laughs> on how to deal with, with COVID, don't do the colloidal silver. Here's the thing. You take enough of that, you will turn blue. That happened in that cult yes. in Colorado, right? I think there was a guy on like Ricky Lake who was blue from colloidal silver. I don't know what the hell that does. Like, I'm not taking silver. Like, if you're going to put some gross things in your body. <laughs> just be smart and do math. Yes, yeah, seriously. Just, be, just stick, least, with, stick with the classics. At least do something that's going to get you high if you're going to put chemicals in your body. Yeah, it's wild. Now, as for Jessica Hahn... 
Obviously, after these public revelations, she kind of became a mini media star for a bit. She posed nude for Playboy uh, a few times. She appeared in videos for Playboy, and she was in several TV shows, including Married with Children. She actually dated the co-creator of that show for a while. Oh, wow. Uh, He died at some point, and I think that's when they broke up so to speak. That was in 2008. So they were together for a while. She also famously appeared on Howard, the Howard Stern show uh, many times throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Um, she, she also had a relationship with comedian Sam Kennison and oh. appears in his music video for Wild Thing. Uh, that happened shortly after um, the scandal kind of broke. So she had that moment. But now uh, it is... You know, since 2017, she has been married to a film stuntman named Frank Lloyd. She's no longer active in showbiz, and she lives on a ranch north of Los Angeles and remains a committed Christian. So that is the saga of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. I'm mad that he is still doing this. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Not surprised. But he's just a total. He's a grifter through and through. And Jim Jerry Falwell died too. I mean, that's not sad. Well, his son is still out there being a piece of shit, so. (laughs) The apple. The apple apple does does not fall far from the tree. No, but he got taken down too. I mean, it's satisfying that they're both taken down. I mean, Jim, Jerry was taken down. Right. Oh, wait, I did read something funny about Jerry Falwell. When he died, he had gone on a program two days before he died of a heart attack saying something like, God will, if God doesn't agree, he can strike me down. Uh. <laughs> and then he literally died two days of a heart attack. I don't, if that's a f- urban legend, I don't want to know. Cause I like, God is good. <laughs> I, I hope that he was thinking. God is good. Yeah. So he, he kind of low key, um, got owned by God. Yeah. I like so, that. That's good. That's cute. That's a cute God story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go God. God has a sense of humor. I think so. Yeah. I think he was tired of Jerry's shit too. Yeah. He's like, stop saying hateful shit in my name, please. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's it. We'll post some pictures. I think we forgot. We totally forgot but we to have, post we should, pictures. We'll post extras this week. Yeah. There's I'm, a lot of good ones. I'm sorry. If I, it's, it was my job and I forgot. She had one job. I had one job this <laughs> Look, week. Melon was on her lap. She couldn't get up. It's true. <laughs> I, I, my cat Melon, my large adult son, has been very cuddly lately, and he's just been taking these long naps on top of me, and he weighs about 50 pounds. So when he gets on top of me, that's it. I'm not moving for a while. Okay. Um, we'll see you all on Friday for our mini episode. And now we'll do our after show. We're going to do our after show now. Okay. Okay, Bye. bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.